0: visitors with us we're glad to have more members starting to come back and I know people travel during the summer and uh, so we're glad to have folks here with us we're glad to have our uh, visitors with us and members with us online thank you so much for joining us and we appreciate you participating with us we want you to know that we're always here for you uh, we don't, we're not just the church on Sunday mornings, we're the church all the time. And so uh, that, that means not even during regular so-called working hours. We're, we're here for you, and if there's any way we can help you, please reach out and let us know. Uh, happy Father's Day to all the dads with us in person and online. We're so very glad to have uh, fathers and uh, we're thankful to be fathers and uh, we're thankful for the wonderful fathers that we've had in our lives. And so we want you to know dads that we appreciate you and uh, we support you in your role to strive to be the kind of godly father that God would have you to be, to be the spiritual leader of your home, to be uh, the one who puts, make sure you are the example of putting God first in all things and to lead your family we want you to know we support you and we encourage you in that role and we need to learn to lean on one another better don't we as men and uh... we need to look for those older men in our lives older men have always been a blessing to me in my life uh, even when i was young and i think maybe that started uh... with my uncle but uh, also with with many other men some who've been here many who've been here over the years And elsewhere so we're thankful for men who are those kind of men for younger men and of course the same for women as well so happy Father's Day to everybody Uh, we're thankful to be here together this morning oh let me mention one more thing next Sunday night we are starting back evening worship next week we're starting back our evening worship so we want to be sure to be here make sure we get the word out about that you can invite people to come on sunday night too did you know that so invite people to come sunday morning bible class sunday morning worship sunday night you know you can invite them in the morning take them to lunch and then tell them we'll come back tonight now that's when we do youth group stuff also and uh, different things and so be sure to invite people back uh, at any time that we have and especially as we get back started on sunday night next week now What if you were in the market looking for a new home to buy and you're looking online scrolling through and you come across this house and you stop and you think oh wow and you see the price and you think it's within my budget look at this wonderful beautiful house. And and you're so excited, you, you call your realtor right away, you find this house, and you tell your realtor, meet me there after work. So as soon as you can clock out and walk away, you head over to this house, you pull into the driveway, you get there before your realtor can get there, and you're sitting there waiting and you cannot wait to go inside and walk in this house and look at what you hope to be your new future home. This is this is very possible your dream home coming true. You're so excited. You can't wait to get your realtor there. It seems like they're taking forever, but finally your realtor gets there. They pull up, and as soon as you get them, you beat them to the door. You're standing there waiting. They can't get there fast enough. They get to the door. They unlock that key box that takes forever to do. They finally get that unlocked, get the key out. They open the door and you walk in and see this. And you think, oh no, how on earth is this possible? How could a house that looks so amazing on the outside look so terrible on the inside? Your dreams are crushed. You cannot believe what you're seeing. You thought you had found your dream home and you realize it's not anything close. You can't believe it. Well, actually, no wonder it was in your budget, right? (laughs) I mean, you wonder how on earth is it possible that I can afford this home, and this is why, because it's only on the outside. But you know, sometimes our inside doesn't match our outside, does it? Sometimes they're not consistent. Some of us maybe do better than others, but we're oftentimes not the same on the inside as we are on the outside. We've all been that way, though, haven't we? Even a little bit, we got to admit, we get that way sometimes. Maybe that's how we are consistently, but maybe we just are in and out of that. Now, what does that make you think of? What word does that make you think of, that inconsistency between the inside and the outside? Does a word come to mind? Does the word hypocrisy come to mind? Hypocrite? You know, we don't like it when, when somebody is like that, and we've got to also admit that we can be like that. Our word hypocrisy comes from the ancient Greeks. For the Greeks, the word described an actor, and the word is made up from two Greek words that literally translate an interpreter from underneath. You see that? An interpreter from underneath. So, in ancient Greek theater, the actors wore these large masks, and that helped the audience see. But they wore these large masks, and they acted out a story from underneath the mask. Okay? And so, these large masks, under these large masks, they were pretending to be the character, somebody that the actor was not actually. Uh, who they were not actually the person of. The word later came to refer to somebody, to anybody, who was wearing a figurative mask. And that's really how we think of it today, pretending to be someone they're not. So oftentimes we might think of a hypocrite as someone who uh, engages in the same behavior that they criticize in someone else. And we think, well, that's clearly a hypocrite. They're a hypocritical person. That's hypocrisy. And that's true but it also refers to this, <clears throat> the failure for someone of someone to follow your own expressed moral rules and principles. When we fail to follow what we say we believe in, and in our, our, our rules, our principles, our morality, when we fail to follow, follow that, that is a form, a type of hypocrisy. And that's the one... That kind of hits close to home, doesn't it? That's the one we feel because we might think, yeah, I don't do that intentionally. I don't, I don't set out for that to be my personality, my, character, my defining characteristic. But if we think about it and if we're willing to admit it, the other one where we fail to live out the, the morals, the principles, the rules that we believe uh, in and that we claim to live by and we don't live that out, that, that is a, a form of hypocrisy. And that's what we wanna talk about today. And that describes the scenario of this beautiful house on the outside and you go in and it's not beautiful and it describes the the Greek actors who wore the mask on the outside but they were only pretending because it was they were they were someone else underneath the inside and the outside were inconsistent and Jesus taught that his followers need to be consistent on the inside and the outside and so that's why we're looking at this subject today of if jesus is lord if jesus is my lord then my inside matches my outside so let's look at matthew chapter 23 matthew chapter 23 jesus has been teaching the crowds and his disciples and he warns them not to follow uh, the leadership of the, the false leadership of the Pharisees. He warns them in how they listen to and what they follow in the Pharisees. So look at verses one through three. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. Why? For they preach, but do not practice. Do you see that? This, the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, Jesus said, sat on Moses' seat. Now, people think of that in two different ways. Is that figuratively? Because they they sat figuratively in the position and authority of the, 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 of Moses in, in interpreting the law. And uh, so there's that. And then also uh, some think... Maybe it was a a literal seat that they sat from in, in giving and interpreting the law. Regardless, Jesus recognized their official position that they had in interpreting the law. And he's saying, as long as they're interpreting it accurately, soundly, then do what they say. But he says, regardless, don't do what they do because they don't practice what they preach. They were not consistent on the inside and the outside and so jesus is going to show the disciples and the crowd who's listening he's going to expose the pharisees and he does this with seven woes that he's going to uh, uh give or 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 proclaim about the pharisees and these woes are expressions of denunciation from jesus and this is powerful they maybe didn't recognize him as lord lord and and savior but but Jesus, the Son of God, uh, denouncing you. That's, that's pretty powerful. He's publicly exposing them uh, and condemning their hypocrisy. Now let's look at these two, two of these woes that have to do with our lesson today in verses 25 through 28. And I'll read those and then we'll make some comments about them. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Hypocrites, listen to what Jesus says about them. For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, and the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. Verse 28, so you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus is saying you are the epitome of hypocrisy. And these are the religious leaders that people should have been able to look to, to follow their examples. And he's saying, That ain't so. Don't do what they do. Their inside didn't match their outside, and Jesus was calling them out. Now, Jesus told them the first woe Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You clean the outside. Uh, of the, you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. So these are examples of some of the types of dishes they had. And see, the, the Pharisees followed very strict... Uh, uh, cleaning rituals for their dishes and their utensils they, they had a, they had they had this all lined out and you had to go through this very intricate process to clean everything you were going to use to eat with and they took great care and this was very important to them remember there was times when they criticized Jesus y'all, you disciples didn't wash your hands before you ate and, and things like that they were, they were looking for those kinds of faults but they they took great care in in how they cleaned the cup but Jesus is saying You're preoccupied with the right way to clean a cup, but you yourselves are as dirty as you can be on the inside, full of greed and self-indulgence. And extortion and gluttony were common sins of the Pharisees. Uh, You see, they were meticulous about cleanliness of their dishes, but they didn't see the hypocrisy in their own lives that they lived. They robbed widows and orphans. They cheated people in money. They were deceitful. And they routinely violated their, their, their own moral laws and precepts they claimed to believe in and live by. And that is the uncleanliness that Jesus is exposing. That's what they should have been concerned with, that uncleanliness and not the, the, the dirt and the germs on the dishes. Now, Jesus didn't have a problem with them cleaning their dishes. He didn't have a problem with their cleaning rituals. He didn't condemn them for that. He just said, you're not consistent. Pay attention to what matters most. They had a problem with their heart. And you see from the beginning of God's Word in Genesis God is always concerned with our heart even he talks about in the Old Testament about sacrifices it wasn't about the bulls and the goats and the sacrifice he's always wanted our hearts and that's carried on of course through Christ into the New Testament and they were rotten hearts in pretty packages rotten hearts in pretty packages. So then he goes on in the second woe, you're like whitewashed tombs. You outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanliness. So you are also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So on this next slide, you'll see a picture of a tomb. Now, for for the Jews, what they did was they they didn't have uh, cemeteries like we have today. They would just cut out tombs in the rock where they could, where they had space, okay? And so they were just cut out randomly maybe in, in, in rock where they could. Now, in order to be able to see the tomb and know that's what it was, they would use lime to whitewash the tomb. Okay. Now, in those days, that was important to them because Jewish people couldn't touch the tomb. You couldn't even step on the ground around the tomb. That you know, that ground that's part of the tomb, or you would contract what they called corpse impurity. Corpse impurity. So they had to whitewash them so they'd be easy to see. And so every year when it was time to prepare for their pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the Passover, the Jewish people all over would start repairing the roads for travel. They would repair the public baths along the way and they would whitewash the tombs. Because if you weren't from that town, if you weren't local to the area and you're passing through you if it wasn't whitewashed you might step on the 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 land the property around that tomb and be unclean and depending on your travel time you might not have enough time to go through the seven days of, of uh to be uh, unclean to be cleansed before passover and therefore you couldn't participate in Passover, does that make sense? So it was important that they it's whitewashed them. I and you see among the, you know, the, that desert landscape, those whitewashed tombs would kind of be pretty almost, kind of have a neat look to them on the landscape. But uh, Jesus is saying, that's all you are to the Pharisees. You're like whitewashed tombs. You look nice on the outside. You stand out when we look at you from afar, uh, of the dusty and rocky landscape. But on the inside, you're full of what? Dead man's bones and all uncleanliness. There was inward decay hidden under the mask of religiosity. They externalized their religion. It was just all out here. It was the clothes they wore and the motions they went through and the actions that they did and the right language at the right time and supporting the right things at the right time. But there wasn't anything going on on the inside. It was all about how the outside looked and not the actual inside condition of the heart. And so Paul, I think, has something to say to us to help us as we apply and reflect on what Jesus had to say to the Pharisees. Because if we're honest, we listen to what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees and we think, I think he's talking to me too, right? At least sometimes, can you admit? And so I think some things that Paul has to say here help us. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 17. For the love of Christ controls us. Your translation may say compels us or constrains us because we have concluded this that one has died for all therefore all have died and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who for their sake died and was raised From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. See, Jesus is calling us to live lives that are consistent on the inside and the outside. Lives that are given over to Him, lives that are transformed by Him, lives that are shaped by faith in Him. So look at verse number 15. See, if you're a follower of Christ, you aren't supposed to live for yourself anymore. Do you notice that? You say, Well, who am I supposed to live for? How am I supposed to live? Paul tells us in verse number 15, he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves. So who do I live for? For him who for their sake died. That's who we live for. We live for Christ. Now, when you live for Christ, then he is at work in you. He is transforming your life and your life becomes uh, more and more should be if you're growing spiritually. If you're that follower of Christ, if Jesus is Lord, more consistent on the inside and the outside, they begin to match more and more. So you're, not supposed, you're supposed to live a life of service to God, not a life of service to your wants and needs and, and everything you want to do. So you see people have made a lot of money and written a lot of books and, and done a lot of talks about my purpose and, and my destiny and all of those things. And what's the key word there? My, my, my. It's all about what I want to do. And, and nobody ever picks something that doesn't uh, make a lot of money and doesn't have celebrity status. Nobody ever picks that for their destiny or their, their purpose or, or whatever. They always pick something that's, that has a lot of, of, of glamour and celebrity to it and, of course, money. But Jesus is saying, you don't live for yourself, you live for me if you're a follower of me. Now in verse 17, the Christian is no longer to be that hypocrite, that whitewashed tomb or just that that dish that's clean on the inside but dirty uh, on the outside but dirty on the inside. Nice looking but filthy on the inside. The Christian is a new creation, a new person in Christ, altogether different. See, you don't live like that anymore. You don't think like that anymore. You don't do those things anymore. You don't talk like that anymore. You don't look. At people like that anymore why verse 14 tells us back up to verse 14 what's the why to all of this because the love of Christ controls us do you see that so the love of Christ controlling me compelling me constraining me is the why behind all of the things Paul just said that, that's what directs and dictates and, and and ushers in and inspires everything and guides everything we do in our life, that love for Christ. See, you're not motivated by rules and regulations and, and guilt and manipulation, which can often happen in religion, and that can happen in the workplace, but we're motivated by Jesus' love for us. See, Paul had to do what he did in ministry because he knew what he had received. He knew, he called himself the the chief of sinners, the least of the apostles. He never forgot what Jesus did for him. He had to do it. Why, because there was some rule or regulation? No, because he just had to. Why? He just told us in verse 14, because the love of Christ compels me, constrains me, it guides me, it, 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 it controls me to do this. And it's when we realize that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. And you can't believe that God loves you and you can't believe to what extent he has gone to in order to save you, then your whole life is reoriented. And you just want to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your strength and with all your soul. And then the love of Christ controls you. You see how that works? So when the love of Christ controls us, then I am striving to let God make my inside Consistent with my outside. If Christ's love compels me, then He's compelling my, he, it's His love for me that compels me and my love for Him. Do you see how that works? It's reciprocal. It's not that, it's not my love for Him. It's when I recognize His love for me and then in return, my love for Him because I can't believe He loved me and therefore His love compels me. And that's how you get your inside to match your outside. It takes spiritual growth. you got to work at it. You you can't just go through some motions and not engage your mind and not engage your heart and think it's just supposed to happen. We have to work at spiritual growth. We have to be intentional about growing spiritually, growing closer to God. We have to make that happen. Now, is this a works-based faith? Absolutely not. But that doesn't mean you just sit back and don't do anything. If Christ's love compels you, then you're compelled to get closer to him. You're compelled to be in his word. You're compelled to talk to him through prayer. You're compelled to be an active, vibrant part of his body. You're compelled to to be a disciple of his and talk to others about Christ. You're compelled to be that kind of example. You need to be in the workplace, in the community, and, and with your friends and all of those different areas. And when you're seeking to grow closer to God, guess what? in the meantime god is at work in you through his word through his fellowship through prayer through his holy spirit to do his work in you and your inside and your outside all of a sudden start getting a lot more consistent so if jesus is lord i am striving to make my inside match my outside that's our message for this morning now i want to ask you have you made jesus your lord maybe you haven't and and when we hear the gospel message we don't want it to fall on deaf ears even if we've been a Christian 50 years it should always be new and fresh to us it should always prick our hearts like it did in Acts chapter 2 well how how, how do I make Jesus my Lord you believe the gospel message the gospel message that Jesus is the Son of God he is who he claims to be who scripture says he is you believe that and you believe he is the only way To be saved the only way to heaven and in Acts chapter 2 when the crowd heard the message of God's love for them in Christ and they heard that Jesus was that promised uh, answer that promised Messiah in Christ and it's in him they find their salvation what did they do they said brothers what shall we do they they said what do we do in response to the gospel message of Jesus and Peter said to them what repent And be baptized every one of you in the name of jesus christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the holy spirit now you didn't hear them saying well okay but do i do i have to be baptized do i have to be baptized was never asked in the bible no one ever questioned it because it was assumed it was understood it was believed and so they just understood i heard the message what do i do in response to the message And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So you don't get forgiveness of sins unless you've done the first part, do you? Repent and be baptized. And then what? You uh, will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then we saw the church flourish and people responded to the gospel. That's how I make Jesus my Lord. And then I keep doing that in terms of that confession personally and publicly every day to make sure Jesus is my Lord every day. So if there's any way we can help you this morning, maybe you are ready to put on Christ in baptism. Maybe you need prayers. Maybe you need some hugs. Maybe uh, there's some way we can minister to you. If you're online, be sure to reach out to us. We're always available. If we can help you in any way this morning, please come as we stand.